morning, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Canopy. So good to be with you this morning. We've got a lot to be grateful for, uh, which I know sounds a little crazy in a time like this where there's so much difficulty. Um, but there's also a lot of good stuff going on, and it's really important that we stop and notice it. Uh, it's important that we notice things like Kristen's story uh, of somebody learning to live more free in this season. It's important that we notice opportunities to serve together, like the food drive um, and the Enough for All Fund, which I am so excited about. Uh, this is a really powerful way that we can love our neighbors here in Costa Mesa. Um, we launched this fund with three other churches, but it's begun to expand well beyond that as other churches and private individuals have started to contribute. Um, and there's a huge need. We launched the fund about three days ago and have already seen over 200 applications come in. Uh, which tells us um, not just that there's a huge need, but a huge opportunity to really be the body of Christ and to love our neighbors like Jesus loves them and loves us. So would you consider giving to that fund by visiting enoughforallfund.com? We'd love to have everybody at Canopy Church play a part in that. Uh, we do want to open God's Word together today. Uh, we have started a new series uh, last week uh, called Finding Freedom in the Wilderness. It's based on an Exodus series that we started several months ago. So I remember the first night of that Exodus series, I stood up in front of our church and I said something along the lines of, it's in the wilderness that God teaches us freedom. He sets us free from Egypt, but in the wilderness then teaches us what that freedom means. Um, and I had no idea at the time that all of us, the entire world really would be kind of forced into a uh, extended wilderness time. Um, but had I known then, I would still have said the same thing, that the wilderness is a place where God teaches his people freedom. Um, I'm not saying God did this. I'm not saying that this coronavirus is like the plagues of Egypt. Uh, I am, however, saying that God wants to use this to do good things in His church, to make us um, more into His people, to conform us more to His image. Um, and this is a place of freedom, uh, which is a little bit crazy to say, but it's true. Uh, so we want to learn how to live free in this wilderness. Um, and last week, Johnny Hughes, a friend of ours from England, led us in a great conversation about the kinds of things that God does in the wilderness. And today, I want to have a conversation about how we can partner with Him in those things. Our text today is a short one, one verse out of Numbers chapter 2. It's verse 17. This is God speaking. He says, Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will be set out in the middle of the camp, and they will set out in the same order as they set up camp, each in their own place and under their own standard. All right, a little bit of a, of a crazy verse out of context. The context is really simple. It's God telling His people how to set up their camp as they move through the wilderness. And He divides the 12 tribes into groups of three. He says three tribes to the south, three to the north, three to the east, three to the west. And in the center and the focal point of all of those is to be this place of worship, this tabernacle or a tent of meeting. And I think that I want to be a prophetic picture for us in this season. The center point of our lives needs to be worship in this time. In other words the most important activity, the most important thing we can be doing in this time is focusing ourselves on worship, on who God is and what He's doing. Um, which I know sounds a little crazy because we tend to think of the wilderness as a place of uh, survival. You know, that's what Bear Grylls taught me is that in the wilderness, you are supposed to strip away anything that's non-essential and just focus on one task at a time. Find water, find food, find shelter. It's just about getting by day in and day out. And God says, uh, in the wilderness, the most important thing for you, the most important element to your survival in the wilderness is worship. Um, that's what's central. Uh, is, and it's inconvenient. It was inconvenient for them. Uh, you know, there are lots of other tasks that they could have been doing to sort of survive day by day, but God, you know, um, asks them instead to focus on worship. He, um, you know, asks them to donate 
to the work of the tabernacle. So each person has their own store of stuff. And in the wilderness, a time of scarcity, the tendency might be to hoard that stuff. But God says, would you consider giving to, the build, to, to, to building this tabernacle, this place of worship? Um, he, he makes them then donate an entire tribe of people to, to the work of the temple, of the tabernacle. Um, the Levites, who could have been doing something else, who could have been focused on another essential survival task, he says, no, 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 the most important thing they can do with their time is to lead my people in worship, to remind my people who I am and what I'm doing. Um, he you know, makes them carry this tabernacle around through the wilderness, um, setting it up and tearing it down every time they moved, setting it up and, and, and tearing it down as the center point of this community. I think that's really, really essential. The point here is inconvenient worship is essential in the wilderness. This is the most important thing that we can be doing with our time. So I want to not just tell you that, but I want to tell you why. I want to make a case for that claim. Um, so there are four reasons I think that worship matters in the wilderness. You know, uh, lots of people talk about three-point sermons here at Canopy. We have a four-point sermon. We are a full-service church. We give you a fourth point for free, no additional charge. Enjoy. Four reasons worship matters in the wilderness. Reason number one, worship matters in the wilderness because God is still worthy in the wilderness. I'm a pastor. My job is not to necessarily commentate on culture and sort of shifting sands, although I need to be aware of it. My job is to remind you of what is eternally true. There's a lot changing in this time, and a lot of people are talking about how the world will never be the same again. That's true. Um, but there's also some truth in the statement that there are some things that will never change that have been and always will be. And I want to remind you of them right now. God is still God. He is still good. His love still endures forever. That's actually a song that God's people learned in the wilderness. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his love endures forever, even in the wilderness. God is God. He is sustainer. He is with you right now, sustaining you by his presence. Jesus is still Lord and Savior who came to us, who died for us, who rose from the dead and ascended into heaven to send the Holy Spirit, who is still with us today, who is our comforter and our advocate, who empowers us and who makes us more like him. And we are still God's people with an eternal and unassailable hope that cannot be shaken, not even by the coronavirus. I want you to hear this clearly. This is still true. This is especially true in the wilderness. Uh, you see, the wilderness doesn't diminish the goodness of God. It actually enhances our ability to perceive it. It's like the, the dark canvas, you know, provides this beautiful and powerful backdrop for the glory of God. I know that's been true in my life, that the hard times are where I see God most profoundly. And I know some of you are experiencing that right now. God is still worthy of worship. This is the number one reason we worship in the first place, to bless and honor God for who He is. He's still worthy even in the wilderness. That's why worship matters. Worship also matters in the wilderness because worship is how we become the people of God. It's how we are conformed more into His image. There's this great verse uh, that lots and lots of worship leaders love to quote out of the King James Version. Psalm 22, 3, it says, The Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. The Lord inhabits the praises of His people. Um, the problem is that was a pretty bad translation. Uh, a better way of translating it says, The Lord sits enthroned above the praises of Israel, the praises of His people. Um, and those two things might sound similar, but they paint very different pictures. In the first picture, we start to worship and God shows up. He sort of shows up and inhabits the praises, the environment that we create for Him. Um, in the second picture, God already is. He is seated on a throne, exalted above the earth. And when we worship, we show up. We show up to a God who is already present, who's already at work. And that is a much more biblical picture. When we worship, we show up and align ourselves to the throne and character of God. You see, worship calibrates the people of God to the character of God. 
As we intentionally enter into his presence and worship, we see him as he is and we become more like him. This is how God transforms us. Paul puts those two things together actually in Romans 12. He says, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see those two things go together, worship and being transformed by the renewing of our minds. How are our minds renewed? Well, as we enter into the presence of God in worship. So, Worship matters in the wilderness because that's how God makes us into His people. It's how He sets us free. Third thing, worship matters in the wilderness because we will not be in the wilderness forever. And who we become in the wilderness is who we will be when we leave. We are sowing seeds right now in the wilderness that we will reap as we enter into whatever's next. So if the seeds we're sowing in the season are our seeds of self-reliance, and distraction, and coping, and just sort of getting by day by day, then guess what we'll, be, we'll look like on the other side of this? We'll look like people who are self-reliant, who are distracted, and who kind of just cope day to day. In other words, nothing will have changed. We will have had this extended season of wilderness, and we will just go back to normal. I need to tell you something. I do not want to go back to normal. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff that I hope we can go back to doing, a lot of stuff that I miss a lot. Um, but I don't miss... The, the anxiety, the, the compulsive pace of day-to-day -day life. I don't miss the distractions and the coping mechanisms. I don't miss a lot of things, and I hope we don't go back to it. I hope we emerge from this time. I hope I emerge from this time more free than we came into it. Um, and the way we do that is by learning to trust God in the season. God absolutely insisted that his people learn trust in the wilderness. He forced them to eat bread from his hand. He, he, he forced them to show up to this place of worship with sacrifices. He gave them festivals so that they could remember who he is and what he does so that when they entered into the promised land, they wouldn't forget. They wouldn't get things out of order and think that they had done all this on their own, but they would know clearly that God is giver, they are receivers, and that everything they have is a gift from his hand. Worship helps us to keep that order right. Um, and that's how we want to come out of this time, with a recognition that God is giver and every good gift we have has come from His hand. And the way that we do that is by sowing seeds of worship and trust now. Worship matters in the wilderness because we're not going to be here forever, and we want to come out of this forever changed. We want to come out of it more free than when we began. Finally, fourth point, worship matters in the wilderness because people are watching in the wilderness. Truth is, uh, throughout the Torah, God says that He's not just doing what He does for the people of Israel for their sake. He's doing it for the sake of the whole earth. That He is doing this rescue. He is guiding them through the wilderness. He is saving them in the sight of all nations so that all nations might know that He is God and that He's good. Um, and that's still true today. Truth is, people are watching and people are desperate to know the hope that we have. Uh, and so, our worship is how we communicate that hope. Um, that's how we um, love God and love them is by, by worshiping Him. That's what God's people did. So they, they, had, a, they had a job to do. Well, God had a job to do, first of all. His job was to save them. It was to deliver them in the wilderness, to lead them, to guide them, to feed them with bread from His hand. And they had a job to do, which was to worship, to trust Him and to enjoy Him in front of other people. And the same is true for us. That's our job in the wilderness, to trust God and to enjoy Him in front of other people. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm chapter 40, which tells the story of somebody whose God has rescued out of a desperate spot. And it says, he lifted me up out of a pit. He placed me high on a rock. He put a new song in my mouth, 
a song of praise to my God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I think that's such a fascinating psalm because it's, it's, it tells the whole story about God rescuing somebody personally, but then that personal salvation doesn't just stay with them. He puts them up on a rock and gives them a song to sing that other people are supposed to hear. And that's what he's done in us. He has saved us in the most tangible and real and powerful of ways. He set us free. We are free from fear and anxiety. And he sets us up on a rock and he says, sing, sing so other people can hear because so many people are in those places that we were in of desperation and fear and anxiety. God says they need to know. They need to hear the song that you have to sing. They need to hear you enjoying me in front of them. That's ultimately what mission is. I know we think of mission and worship as two different things in the church, but they're one and the same. Mission is just conspicuous worship. It's worship that happens in front of other people. It's us loving people by loving God in front of them. It's the most loving thing we can do, the most powerful thing we can do for them. Worship matters in the wilderness because people are watching in the wilderness. So those are the four points. Now, how do we do it? <laughs> the answer is, uh, it depends on you. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different life circumstances, different experiences, and there's all sorts of ways that we can engage in this. But maybe there are a few um, universal principles that we should all practice together. So four, again, bonus. It's the kind of church we are. First um, principle is begin each day with gratitude. And end each day with gratitude. This is a, a huge conviction for me because I've noticed myself through this time of coronavirus waking up with a thought on my mind. The thought is, here goes another day of awful. Um, and it's been true to some degree. We've seen things get really bad. But the truth is that's not the foundation of the universe. You know, the foundation of the universe is the goodness of God. God is good. And that's what everything was built on. He saw all of it and it was good. And when we place anything but the goodness of God in the center of the universe, we get things out of alignment and out of order. When I place my anxiety or my, my, my pessimistic thoughts about the world at the center, then that's who I become. When I place gratitude at the center, I base my life on the character of God. And that's who I want to be. And so I want to commit to you that I'm going to try to practice the discipline of starting and ending each day with gratitude in order to build my life, especially in this wilderness time, on the goodness of God. Would you join me in that? Um, the second thing we can do is offer whatever we have in our hands to give as a sacrifice of worship. Uh, in other words, it doesn't just have to be the good stuff, you know? Sometimes we think that we can only worship when we're excited, like super enthusiastic, hair on fire, uh, hands in the air, you know, like just sing at the top of our lungs. The truth is, um, if that was the only time that we could worship, then probably couldn't worship more than 20% of my life because I don't feel that way all the time. Uh, but in the Psalms, we learn that you can worship in all kinds of times. You can worship when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're apathetic, when you're anxious, when you are in the middle of cycles of sin and don't know how to get out of it. Um, there's all sorts of things that we can offer to God in worship. And maybe they're not as, as good, you know, as the, the hair on fire hands up, but they're powerful because they're still worship. And God says, bring it to me. Uh, remember, when we worship, we show up to a God who's already present to us. And what matters is that we show up. We don't let those things that are negative or difficult take us away from Him, but we walk into His presence with Him and we say, God, I don't know what you can do with this, but I want to give it to you. And that is powerful worship. Powerful worship. So would you um, just show up every day in His presence with whatever you have to give that day? The only way we lose is if we don't show up. Um, third, practice tithing as a spiritual discipline in this time. And I don't just mean tithing finances, although that's certainly a piece of it. What I mean is uh, tithing reminds us when we give the first and the best to God, 
we are reminded that everything we have uh, is already a gift. It's sort of a way of, of reorienting our focus about our things. I didn't earn this. God gave it to me, and I'm going to remember that by giving back to him. So would you just give the first and the best of whatever you happen to have on any given day? Um, maybe that will be finances someday. Maybe other days it'll be you tithe your family meal. I don't mean you dump the meal on the table. I mean you take time at the beginning of the family meal just to remember who God is and what he's done. And you share that as a discipline among your family. Maybe you tithe your meetings at work. You know, you show up a little bit early to a Zoom call um, just to sit there and offer the meeting to God as a sacrifice of worship, remembering that he gave you that job and that you have it because of who he is and what he's doing in your life. Will we practice tithing as a spiritual discipline? And finally, this last one's going to sound funny, but one way we can worship in this season is by singing. Um, God's people didn't just haul a tabernacle around the wilderness. They also hauled instruments around. God's people have been singing prayers and praises to him for millennia, and it's important that we do so. The melody, the, 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 the rhythm, it unifies us together in prayers. It, 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 it binds us together in ways that nothing else does which I think is why Paul in the book of Ephesians tells us that when the days get evil, you know, difficult, one of the things we're supposed to do is sing to each other with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. This is how we encourage one another and remind one another of who God is and what he's doing in our lives. So I know it sounds funny, but we, that's, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this online digital service is so that we can sing together. Um, and also, I just want to encourage you, on your own, take some time, turn up the music and sing as loud as you can. And who cares who hears you? I mean, again, the point here is mission is conspicuous worship. So if somebody hears you enjoying God, all the better. Um, let's just sing together. Let's make that a discipline, even on the days we don't feel like it. So there we go. Uh, what's most essential, what's most vital in this time is that we are worshiping people. This is the fundamental task of the people of God in this time is to worship him with everything we have. So let's do it together. And we're going to sing together in just a moment. I'm going to kick it over to Todd. But before we do, let's pray. A simple prayer, Father, we love you. We love you so much. We give you thanks because we are good and your love endures forever. You are God. You are worthy of our adoration. So would you receive the sacrifices of praise that we offer now and always as the adoration of our grateful hearts. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you love us. Amen. Let's worship together. <laughs> 